Let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Why does God act like he does? All-knowing, all-loving, all-wise, all-true, all-honorable and gracious and merciful. That is what we hear about God. That is what we tell ourselves and we tell the world about him. But if all that is true... Why would he act like he does? Why does the Lord's wisdom seem so foolish to people? Paul himself acknowledges that the idea of a crucified Savior is a stumbling block and folly. The scriptures tell us that any man who is hung on a tree is cursed. And if God is truly all-powerful and all-sufficient, surely he could save a wayward people without having to sacrifice his son. It doesn't make sense. Surely as Jesus stood before Pilate, he could have announced his power and brought an end to this sham of a trial. After all, he states how powerful his God is, rather matter-of-factly. He looks at this Roman governor in the face and states, you would have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. The implication is that the one Jesus serves is more powerful than even the mighty Roman. Any authority that has been given can certainly be taken away. So why this? Why the cross? Why not end the trial? Show his power. Reveal himself in a way that leaves no doubt about who he is. And end all of the suffering. doesn't make sense. And yet Isaiah tells us, speaking in the voice of God, looking forward to this very moment, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. He is speaking of the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus himself said something similar in John's gospel. He said, when I am high and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. In going to his death, Jesus acts in wisdom. Because he acts in the will of his father. Jesus, the perfect man the one who has done no violence, who had no deceit in his mouth, who followed the will of his Father perfectly. And yet, it was the will of the Lord to crush him, 
put him to grief. It was the will of the Father that he would be marred beyond human likeness. That he would be despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And so we ask, how is this wisdom? Surely there was a better way. After all, the Savior of all creation is all-powerful. He could never be defeated and certainly not embarrassed, rejected, and broken to pieces. Surely that is wisdom, not, not this, not what happened. Speaking years later to a group that believed themselves to be wise, Paul would say this. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. The death of Jesus has always seemed like folly. Because the wisdom of God is so unlike ours. And thanks be to God that it is. Thanks be to God that he knows us so well and yet loves us so perfectly that he would provide the only way forward. You see, what the Lord knows about us is that in our version of wisdom, we will constantly reject him. It is how the people could look upon Jesus, the one to whom their own scriptures pointed, the one of whom Isaiah testified, saying that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, that he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. It is how that they could look upon him, this one that their hearts had seemingly longed for. They could look upon him and confess the truth of their hearts. We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. It was the pagan Roman ruler who was doing all he could to free Jesus, and it was the chosen people who rejected him. Those who should have known better, those who should have looked at Jesus and seen the Messiah that their hearts had desired. And yet in their wisdom, they were blind to who he is. Who with their own lips confessed their rejection of God as Lord and King of their lives as they confess, we have no king but Caesar. God's very own people acknowledging with their very own lips their idolatry. They trusted in Caesar, in man-made power more than God. And it remains true of our hearts to this day. We do not recognize the wisdom of God because we trust our wisdom over his. 
with every moment that we primarily trust in anything other than our God, we ourselves confess that we have no king but Caesar. Like sheep, each and every one of us has gone astray. We have all sinned against the Lord and would gladly continue to do so, being so blinded by it that we can't not even begin to recognize the hand of God. We cannot recognize the saving act of God even when he stands before our eyes. That is how deep-seated our sin is. What the Father knows is that each and every one of us, we would have stood in that crowd along with these people that we read about, and we would have yelled out right along with them, crucify him. None of us would have said otherwise. It is why sin is impossible to remove without this great and tragic moment. is why we so often turn away from the cross when we think of Christ upon it. It is why he was so marred and broken, for on the cross we have the physical representation of the cost of sin. And it is a terrible thing to behold. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Because we love our sin more than him. And yet he would bear our sins upon himself. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This man of sorrows, he went to the cross bearing our own. Knowing that we would all reject him, knowing that we would not choose him over our own sin, knowing that we do not love him as we should, knowing that we would look away from him. We, who when our eyes happen to glance upon the cross, we look and we wonder, how could that be wisdom? Of course, we're getting the question all wrong as we turn away. But look upon him, we must. We must look upon Jesus to gain even a semblance of how awful sin is, to see the ongoing damage that it causes, to see that left to our own devices, we would reject this man who was so willing to die for us. Our wisdom would reject him. And his wisdom he offered himself to the perfect will of the Father. So that we and all who came before us and all who come after us might be redeemed. And so rather looking upon Christ on the cross and wondering how is this wisdom, we should fix our eyes upon him and ask along, with Charles Wesley, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain? 
for me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? That is the wisdom of the Father. The wisdom of the Father is that a great and a tragic and a victorious sacrifice was needed. All of the sacrifices that had come before, all those years of sacrifices, all the blood of bulls and goats, as the author of Hebrews tells us, none of them could deal with the actual problem of sin. We needed a perfect sacrifice. And so what seems like folly to so many is pure wisdom, for as we read in Hebrews 10, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. A worthy, sufficient, perfect sacrifice to pay for every sin ever committed. We must look upon the crucified Christ. And as we do, yes, we see our sin that put him there. But we see also the love with which our God has loved us. The crucifixion was not the act of a divine tyrant, but of one whose wisdom we cannot even fathom. And whose love for his creation ensured that a way would be made toward life again. For while we were still weak, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The sinless Savior taking the place of the sin-filled rebel. The cost was awful. The burden intolerable. And so it took the only one who could bear it. The Father looked down upon a people whose need was so deep and profound that he offered his only Son. So that all who looked upon his Son and seeing the awful truth that their own sin caused this terrible moment, might become children of God. It is finished. His final words. It is finished. All of sin atoned for. The stage for victory is set. It is finished. In his wisdom, God has provided the way back to himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.